0: so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope
1: that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Well, Good morning again. Uh, it's so good to be uh, present with the church. We were on isolation duties last week and uh, unable to be here in person and it was uh, good on one level to be able to join online but it's... Uh, so much better to be able to be gathered uh, with god 's people in person, and so um, it 's a real pleasure to be here uh, this morning. Uh, one thing we missed with my absence last week was. Uh, I said that we'd have opportunity for testimony about anything that came out of our time of prayer or fasting through February. Um, and so I want to uh, give that opportunity this morning. You don't uh, have to come up the front and, and, and be seen. You know, I can run the microphone uh, to you and people at home uh, will be able to hear, uh, but not necessarily see you unless you want to. But um, just wanted to create that opportunity for people to share. It could be just a little tidbit, could be something bigger um, to share out of that time. Uh, we'll try and keep them short. Sure in terms of the sharing, uh, so that we've got time uh, to f- do the rest of what we've got planned for this morning. Uh, and, and while you're thinking about that, uh, I just want to re- uh, re-share my testimony. Was that a hand? No. It was, no? Okay. <laughs> uh, re-share that testimony. I'm like the, the, um, the super enthusiastic evangelist. Did I see that hand? Um, <clears throat> that uh, my testimony this time around with our prayer and fasting wasn't so much one of um, uh, oh God showed me this great thing and this great revelation but it was actually, um, I was fasting from things that either distracted me or brought me comfort uh, other than God and and so um, some things in my life that, uh, no major crisis or anything like that happening right now I don't want to have people think what was it but just some general things that I was a bit sad about, a bit grieved about I just found throughout that month of February fasting from things that distracted me or brought me comfort put me in a place of just sitting with those things with God and there wasn't any like boom moment where I was just like oh wow I feel so much better but actually just processing through and sitting with God in the midst of discomfort and pain and sadness uh, was actually a really beautiful thing to be able to do uh, and and after that, like I said, there's no great moment and some of that stuff is still very much there but, but just some, some lightness comes uh, instead of, you know, scrolling through or comforting myself in other ways that, that some peace and comfort has come through sitting with that with God. Um, does anyone else have something they'd want to share briefly from that time? Um, mine was a very... Um... Punctuated time, but um, I just received a personal message from the Lord to our church Uh, Way too long to share right now, but um, Yeah, I'll share it with Nick later and Awesome Anyone else with, with something to share from that time of February? Okay, it was a hand, a prophesied hand.
0: Over here. Um, I really didn't enjoy my time of fasting this year. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's because of what I chose, but similar to Nick, I found myself quite irritable um, because I guess I have learnt in the last two years of COVID to really, um, I guess, find comfort in things online if I don't like. I'm feeling. I'll find an article to make myself feel better about myself. If I um, am bored, I'll find a new Netflix series or I'll text friends, what are you watching at the moment? Um, And I don't know if it's because we've had more time or what it is, but I guess I've just developed some really bad habits. And so um, we're probably not great parents in February because we're both highly irritable. But I think what God reminded me is that salvation is such a beautiful gift but holiness is a discipline and I think sometimes as Christians we get into this rut of like yeah I go to church and I pray occasionally but to pursue a life as a Christian is hard work and discipline is actually a gift from God, it's not a negative thing and so I found myself, it's like whenever I start a health kick which Nick and I start often, (laughs) we it takes work. I carve the time out when I'm going to go for my walks or my run or the gym. I I plan what we're going to eat. And for me, I got back into, this is my week. I'm going to plan first my time with God. I'm going to plan my Bible reading. I'm going to plan my worship. I'm going to plan to listen to podcasts that speak truth and light and not talk about Australian crime stories. You know, it was just those little shifts for me that reminded me that it's a beautiful incredible life but it it involves discipline and we don't like it and so I didn't like fasting during February but um God really brought me back to that place of like to follow him there is a cost and um yeah don't know why I'm crying I'm not really crying I missed coffee was it coffee I think it was coffee
1: it wasn't (laughs) that was last year coffee Mm, amen Uh, Well, let's uh, turn to God's Word now. But I do want to encourage you to be eyes open to what God's doing in your life. Uh, Testimonies, you know, um, one of those things during COVID where we were just online and so we chopped everything down um, to be a bit more streamlined for streaming. Um, One of the things that uh, got moved aside was sharing testimonies of what God's doing now in our lives. And so we really want to bring that back into the life of our church. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I want you to have your eyes open to what God is doing. This uh, time I was just just that specific narrow thing during February, but just encourage you to be thinking about what is God doing in my life right now that I can share with the church to encourage them. Some people, the, the thought of holding a microphone and sharing that out loud is terrifying. So you can text, you can email, uh, and we can have other people read them out. It can be confidential. You don't have to um, share your personal details in that. But, yeah, encourage you to have your eyes open. Um, So let's pray and then we're going to um, dive into God's word together. Heavenly Father, I simply thank you for your word this morning. In our context in 2022 in Australia, uh, we have such really historically speaking and even in our Uh, global context today unprecedented access to your word yet so often we take it for granted yet so often it might be the book gathering dust or the app remaining unopened or something that we feel familiar with and so don't seek with expectation even when we do come to it Father Father and so this morning I pray that our ears would be open to hear, our eyes would be open to see, our hearts would be open to receive, uh, not my words, Father, but the words of your Holy Spirit through the scriptures and through what you've given me to say. I pray that we'd be transformed in the hearing of your word this morning. Give us greater depth of understanding, give us greater depth of knowledge, not just in an intellectual sense, Father, but in a, in a sense that transforms us in heart, mind, soul, and body. Make us new by your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, So this today is week two of our Christology series, um, which Christology is um, a, a bit of a Eggheady phrase in a sense it is the area of theology that is studying the nature and work of Jesus Christ and and so I spent some time actually trying to think of a, a more entertaining title for this series uh, and realized I'm not an entertaining person and Christology was going to be what it was um, but really what it is is we're fixing our eyes on Jesus We're we're diving into who is Jesus and and what has he done and and we're fixing our gaze upon him and learning about him and and growing in our knowledge of him. Even if we've we've studied uh, Christology, uh, we have a doctorate in it. It's always worth coming back to looking at Jesus again and again and again. And I said last week, the world is filled with uh, all kinds of ologies and then my brain went completely blank and couldn't think of any. Uh, But uh, there's so many different areas of study in the world and I encourage, it's good to study, it's good to to know more about uh, God's creation and and how he's created us and, 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 and know more from an intellectual standpoint. But last week I encouraged us as a church to major in Christology. Uh, and what I mean by that is to, to make the single uh, primary focus on our life, knowing and understanding Jesus more and more. I said last week that uh, I think of the Apostle Paul who encountered the risen and glorified Jesus uh, on the road to Damascus, that, that encountered him in, in completely unveiled glorious form. And yet many years later in Philippians, he wrote that his goal in life was to know Christ. Now some might say to Paul, well, didn't you already meet him? You know him. But Paul knew that to know Christ was a lifelong thing. I said last week as well, uh, that that was my goal as a pastor in the life of the church in this season, in all seasons really, but that we would know Christ that we'd be rooted and built up in him, that we'd be strengthened in our faith. And so last week we, we spoke about uh, Jesus being the image of the invisible God and the fullness of deity, the fullness of Godness. Uh, and, and so what we're using as our guide, because it's impossible to say everything about Jesus in a five-week series, what we're using as our guide is Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. And this is giving us a template to, to look at who is Jesus? What has he done? And so last week we looked at those, that first verse. The Son is the image, first verse of that passage in verse 15. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Uh, This week we're going to explore what it means for Jesus to be the creator of all things. In verse 16 and 17, the Apostle Paul goes on in this letter to say, For in him, that is Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And so that's what we're going to be exploring this week. But, like I said last week, this isn't just Christology. This isn't just theology. This isn't just understanding for intellectual edification. What we want to explore during this series is the so what. And so, Paul here says that Jesus is the creator of all things, and, and the question we should be asking is so what? Not in a contemptuous, so what? Who cares? But in a, so what does that mean for me and my life and my eternity? And I encourage you to ask that question whenever you come to your time in God's Word. Don't just read it and go, tick. Ask the question, so what? What should be different about me today now that I've been refreshed in that knowledge that I've read in God's Word? And so Jesus is the creator of all things. Now we can't talk about creation without jumping to the very beginning of God's word in Genesis chapter 1. And and those who originally read Paul's letter in the uh, church in Colossae would have been instantly delivered to Genesis 1 in their minds. Uh, Anyone who's read that for thousands of years since is instantly drawn to Genesis chapter 1 in their minds. We can't talk about Jesus being the means of creation without returning to the very beginning. And so Genesis 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And so this is the very first assertion of the Bible. That God created the heavens and the earth it is the foundational sorry it is foundational to our understanding about who god is in the beginning was god he is the first cause he is himself uncaused he is eternal he exists beyond the confines of time and space and matter I'm not going to read through all of Genesis chapter 1 this morning, but I encourage you to do so in your own time. But I am going to read what God said, because we're told that God said and it was done, and that was the means of creation. In chapter 1, verse 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was. In verse 6, it says, And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water in verse 9 it says and god said let the waters under the sky be gathered to one place and let the dry ground appear and it was so in verse 11 it says then god said let the land produce vegetation seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in them according to their various kinds in verse 14 it says and god said let there be light in the vault of the sky lights, sorry, in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years and let them, be, let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. In verse 20 it says, and God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. In verse 26, 24 sorry, it says, and God said, let their... Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And in verse 26 it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, over the livestock, and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God said, and it was. And that's what the scripture tells us as the first thing that God created the heavens and the earth. But these words don't come in their original context in a vacuum. This is not the only ancient creation story. There are many other stories that would have been familiar to those that lived in the ancient far and near east at the time. One of those primary ones, Babylon, which eventually conquered uh, Israel, was the Elish. And it had, like like Genesis chapter 1 has seven days, it had seven tablets. Uh, But the difference, there was differences profoundly between them. In Anamalish, Elish, uh, creation happens as the byproduct of war amongst malevolent gods. Marduk, who's the primary Babylonian god, split Tiamat, a giant serpent, in half to form the earth and the sky. And humanity was created essentially as slaves to serve the gods. And so, against the backdrop of these other stories, Genesis 1 says something even more profound. It says, All things began with God. God alone created in and of himself. Genesis chapter 1 tells us in this backdrop that creation is ordered. It's not accidental. God created out of nothing and created order out of chaos. And he created humanity as the pinnacle of that creation. The final thing to be created and to be created in the image of God. And then finally at the very end... Of the sixth day before he rested, it says in verse 31, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. And so according to Genesis chapter 1, creation was made inherently good because God is good, not malevolent like Marduk or Tiamat. And this is important. This isn't just some obscure history lesson. Uh, to uh, you know, prove that I went to Bible college and I know stuff. Uh, the relevance of that is that we have other creation stories today. And so the temptation, though, is to be drawn into an argument about things like days and how many days, or how long was a day and how many years. And so, if you want me to affirm something here about either of those, you're going to be disappointed. It's not that I don't have an opinion and it's not that I don't think it's important at some level, but I think it's a distraction from the primary assertion of Scripture. And I don't want to feed that. Sometimes I think we're like witnesses to a bank robbery arguing about the colour of the robber's socks and missing the key point. Who did it? Sometimes we're so busy arguing about the details, we miss the key point. Who did it? So the primary assertion of scripture, the same against today's backdrop as it was against the backdrop of Anamra or or any other ancient creation story, uh, the same primary assertion is true today. All things began with God. God alone created in and of himself. Creation is ordered, it's not an accident. God created out of nothing and he created order out of chaos and humanity is the pinnacle of creation, not an accident. Humanity is created in the image of God and creation was made very good. That is the primary assertion of Genesis chapter 1. I don't want to dismiss completely those other questions. They're important to talk about, but I don't want us to get distracted arguing about the colour of someone's socks instead of focusing on who did it. In the beginning. The Bible begins in the beginning, but it's not the only time that three, those three words are used in a sentence like that. When John, one of the first followers of Jesus, Uh, Often I'll refer to him as the Apostle John. Some churches will refer to him as Saint John. Uh, This is not John the Baptist. John referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loves. He used these same three words when he sat down to write about Jesus Christ. When he sat down to do his Christology, he used these same three words to start that story. He said, in the beginning. But then he says something slightly different. Yet at the same time, the same. In John chapter 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. And so John takes us back to that beginning. That the primary assertion of Scripture from the very start was that God created out of nothing. Nothing. And yet now he says, in the beginning was the Word. And if we stopped there, and if we were an Orthodox Jew who was faithful to the Old Testament Scriptures, we'd be outraged. Because we'd be saying, well, no, in the beginning was God. But John goes on from there. He said, well, the Word was with God in the beginning. Yes, God was there, and the Word was there. And if we were an Orthodox uh, Jewish person who was faithful to the Old Testament Scriptures, we'd still be outraged. No one was with God in the beginning. And then John says, the word was God. Now, the truth is, many Orthodox Jews are still outraged at that point. But John's making it clear at that point that he's not arguing against the Genesis chapter 1 creation account. He's at the same time giving a a much higher level view of that creation moment, but he's also zooming in closer into the person of God himself. He says at the beginning, if we take a look at a fuller picture, there was God. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And now we understand from John's Gospel going forward that that when we read the word, or in Greek, Logos, we're we're meant to understand that as Jesus Christ himself. And so John says that Jesus was with God and was God in the beginning. And so that's kind of what we looked at last week, that Jesus is fully 100% divine. He is God. The fullness of deity dwells in him. And then John says, "Through him, all things were made. Through the Word, this Word that was with God and was God at the beginning, the Word is the agent, the, the means of God's creation. The Word is the part of the Godhead through whom they, He acts to create the world. And so, this is so beautifully poetic in my mind that that." that John is calling Jesus the word through whom God acted. And and in Genesis it says, and God said. And I know that in Genesis chapter 1 when it says, and God said, we all think of a voice just saying things, but it's impossible for the human mind to fathom what it means for God to say something. God's voice is more than just a vibration of air carrying sound. God's voice spoke before there was something called sound. God's voice, God's word is personal. God's word is Jesus Christ. And so in case we, we missed the point that all things were, were made through him, John looks at it from the other angle and he says, without him nothing was made that has been made. He's saying that if you see it, if you can perceive it, if you can hear it, if you can taste it, if you can feel it, then he made it. Nothing that you can think or see or know exists without the word of God Jesus Christ. All things came into existence through him and nothing that exists Exist without him. Existence itself depends fully on Jesus Christ. And so when John talks of Jesus, he places him in the very beginning, in that creation moment when there was, it would be wrong to say a time, because it was before time was a thing, but there was a moment when all that existed was God. We understand from the scriptures as Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And so John, in his knowledge of Jesus and revealed to him from the Holy Spirit, says that the Word was there in the beginning, and it's through Him that creation came into being. And so the Apostle Paul reflects on that in Colossians chapter one, verses 16 to 17, and says, "For in him all things were created." Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And so Paul affirms Genesis chapter 1 because he's just expressed that Jesus is fully God. And so he affirms Genesis chapter 1 and says... In the beginning was God and he created. And he affirms John chapter 1, though that John was probably written most likely after Colossians, but he affirms that theology of John that that in the beginning was Jesus creating. Paul says that it's Christ Jesus in whom all things came into existence. And and that phrase, I'm not sure if you've picked it up yet. Maybe you have. All things. That's what John keeps coming back to. It's an important phrase, it's a key phrase. He says all things over and over again. In the Greek it's pantos, which means all things, everything. Then so uh, Paul says he created all things visible and invisible. Do we, as humans with eyes and ears and, ears and, and noses and taste buds and touch receptors... Uh, we're so focused on things that we can see. But, but we're also aware of things that we can't see. And, and of course that talks about natural phenomena like air and wind and things like that. But, but Paul is also talking about the, those, the spiritual realm that we do not see. It's not that there was a fully formed heavenly spiritual realm and out of that earth was created or the universe was created. No, no the scripture affirms that nothing existed but God. And God, through Jesus, created everything, visible, invisible, heavenly or earthly. All things were created through him. And so heaven is not some other place here. It's not like, you know this throne room in this other realm outside of our existence. Heaven is a spiritual realm that impacts on the world, but we cannot see it. And so using this this phrase, all things, Paul makes four claims about what it means uh, for Jesus to be the creator of all things. This is is what's going to lead us to our so what this morning. And so if you've drifted off to sleep, this is your wake-up point. Paul says four things that lead us to our so what. He says all things were created through him. I think I've been banging away about that enough. He also says all things were created for him. And he says he is before all things. And fourthly he says all things are held together by him. So he is The one who created all things. He is the one through whom all things were created for. He is before all things or above all things. And all things are held together by him. So what? What does that even mean? What difference does that make for me today? I mean, apart from the obvious that I wouldn't exist if Jesus didn't create all things. Well, I want to suggest that if if all things were created through him, that means that you and I were created through him. And I believe that we should then defer to the designer. The one who created the universe and created me knows best how it should work. And so our lives should be shaped by his instruction, even when it seems like we know better. And as much as I'm a typical man, and if I buy a new tool or implement, I love to throw aside the instruction manual and look at it and try and work it out myself because you know, it can't be that hard. If I was a smarter person, I would defer to the designer and their instruction about how the thing should work. And so our lives should be like that we should defer to our designer. Because I know that I have desires that live within me that are contrary to what is expressed as God's will in his word. And I can convince myself that me choosing to act in that way, will it'll be good. It'll bring me some kind of pleasure or joy or freedom or peace or, or, or something that I know Better, But I have to conclude, if Jesus made all things and if he's instructed me to live my life in such a way that the pleasure, the the reward I think I'm going to get from stepping outside of that will not bring me ultimately what I think it will. Will not bring me the reward or the blessing that I've convinced myself it will. It's like Christy was sharing in our testimony time, that, that there's an area of discipline, even though we might not like that word today, That I have to choose to defer to my designer because he made me and he knows how I should work. He made the universe and he knows how it should work. And so if I want to live my best life, you can hashtag that, yeah, living my best life. Well, best, I know, I'm not good at hashtags, sorry. It sounds a little bit like one. Then I need to defer to my designer to live my best life. If all things were created for him, that means that everything belongs to him. That means that I was created not for myself, but for him. That means that all that I have, all that I am, is not my own, but is his and for him. That means my time, my money, my energy, all of my devotion was created not for me. And sorry to say this but not for you either even though you do pay my salary right now i was not created for you i was created for him and everything i have and everything i am is for him and so that should of course shape what i do with those things if he is before all things then this means he's eternal literally before all things but it's not just a statement about that. It's a statement about his supremacy, that he is above all things. And so he should be before all things in my life. Nothing should be above him. Nothing should be on his level. This speaks to our worship, and yes, I do mean our time when we gather for worship, but yes, I do mean every single moment of our life. See, our times when we gather for worship should be, I guess, the culmination, the, the overflow of our lives lived as, as an act of worship towards God, but they should also catalyse that. that. By what I mean is that when we gather together for worship, it, it fires us up, that we're, we're encouraged by one another, like when we get a bunch of hot coals and you put them together and you breathe on them, then they burst into flame. That's what gathering together as the church is like. It, it catalyzes... Our worship, he's before all things. It speaks to how we shape our entire lives, our priorities. I think we live this out when we create margin to just simply marvel in his majesty. When we create time and space to tangibly put him before all things. I want to suggest this isn't just a Jesus is Lord of my heart thing. It is that. It's it's an inner priority that no one else can really see. But I absolutely believe that if that is our inner priority, it should ultimately be obvious to everybody that ever sees us we need to create time and space to tangibly put him first in our lives. We need to intentionally create margin for that, whatever that looks like, wherever it looks like, you know, we often, you know, hear, oh, get up early and read the Word, but, but that means getting to bed earlier. If, if, if mornings are going to be your time, if you have this, I'm going to create margin to, to marvel in who God is in the morning, I'm going to read the Word, I'm going to pray, but you're not going to bed until 1am. It's probably not going to happen. And so it's about aligning our lives, not out of legalistic, I need to tick the box, but creating time and space to say, Jesus is above all and before all in my life. I'm preaching my voice off this morning. I'm losing it. It means creating time and space in our own lives. It means creating space to gather for worship, to to come and be breathed on together by the Holy Spirit and set aflame for worship. It means creating time to, to get there. That it's not a frantic rush. And again, this isn't about legalistic ticking the box. I'm trying to get at that if if Jesus is going to truly be above all, then yes, that's an inner priority that no one sees. But if that is truly our inner priority, then that should be obvious to everybody that spends any time with us. All things were created through him. All things were created for him. He is before all things. And the final thing Paul said is he's holding all things together. And so if he is holding... Oh, thanks, Jill. This is what happens when we have, as we said before, such great worship teams and I, um, my limited vocal ability. I've got loud, uh, but not uh, any ability to modulate so it matches in anything, but I get excited in worship and then there's no voice left. Thank you very much, Jill. If he's holding all things together, then it means he's holding me and my life and this world and the universe together. And so he did not create and then send the earth off floating through the universe, abandoned. It's not like he dialed the settings and, and this is, you know, in theological terms, because we're talking Christology, so we can use lots of ologies. Uh, this is a deist view that, yeah, there's a God. Yeah, he created everything. And then he went, Oof, off you we go. Hope it goes well. This is not the picture of, of God or Jesus Christ that the Bible gives. He has not sent us off and wished us all the best. He has given us free will, I believe, but he has created us to be dependent upon him. He is holding Everything and everyone together, even when it looks like it's all falling apart. He's holding me together, even when it feels like I'm falling apart. He's holding not just the visible things together, but the invisible things together. He's not just holding now together, but he's holding all of eternity together. He's holding me and he's holding my world together. And so, it reminds me of that song, he's got the whole world in his hands. Which is absolutely true. But it's still not quite a big enough picture, is it? Not to criticise the writer of that children's worship song, but He's got the whole world. He's got all of human history, all of history, full stop. He's got the entire universe, the stars, the sun, the moon. The sun's a star. He's got everything that we can see and everything that we can't see, way beyond all of our own possible imagination. He's holding it all together. And so I need not fear. Because the Creator of all things, for whom all things were created, who is before all things, is holding all things together. And so I need not fear. But I can trust myself to His hands. There's an Old Testament scripture in Deuteronomy that I haven't looked up the reference for you. Sorry, I can do that later on if you would like me to, but it says, the everlasting hands of the Father are underneath. And it's just, I don't know what it is about that connection, that phrasing of that for me, but it just puts me in that place of just thinking, yeah, I am held together. When it feels like I'm about to burst apart. When it feels like I'm about to fall apart. When it feels like the world is crumbling down and there's been wars and rumors of wars and floods and plagues and famines. When it feels like it's all falling apart. The everlasting arms of God are underneath Jesus has it all in his hands. He's holding all things together. And I can entrust myself to him. I don't need to know. I don't need to understand all things. I just need to know Jesus. And then I can know all things will be held together. So I'm going to pray this morning and then we're going to worship. I'm going to pray for all of us. But if if you've not made that decision, if you're here this morning or listen to this at some other point, if you've not made that decision or you've strayed from that decision to say, I'm going to entrust myself to the hands of Jesus who died for me, that my sins would be washed away, who raised to me that I would live eternal life in him, who is the creator of all things who all things were made by and for who is above all things and who all, holds all things together. If you've never made a decision to put yourself in his hands, and I want to encourage you to pray with me as we all pray together this morning. But I'd love to hear if this is the first time that you've made that choice this morning. I'd love you to grab me afterwards. I'm not going to make you... The, 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 there's a time in our, our life, and often that's around baptism, but there's other times where we stand up and publicly say, I've decided to entrust myself to Jesus. I'm not going to make you do that this morning. <clears throat> But I'd love to know so that I can pray with you, that I can uh, help to set you off on that course and talk about what's next. But I'd love for us all to pray together, whether it's our first time entrusting ourselves to Jesus or our thousandth time. And so Jesus, we thank you that you are the word. We thank you for the word. And so we declare this morning that we believe that all things came into being through you. We declare that we believe that all things, including ourselves, were created for you. And we believe that you are above all things. And we believe that you hold all things together. And so we pray this morning, we say we put our trust in you. We've tried to be independent. We've tried to do it on our own. We've put other things above you, Lord. And so we repent of that. We say we are sorry for that. And this morning, right now, right here this morning, we entrust ourselves to you. We place ourselves in your hands. We surrender. We lay our lives down before you. And put our faith in you. We pray that you would forgive us our sin. That you would make us whole and holy. We thank you that you hold not just our present moment in your hands, but our eternity. And we pray in your name, Jesus. And if, that, if the words of my prayer this morning are your words, I just encourage you out loud or in your heart just to say in the name of Jesus, Amen.